Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Why do I need a church? Can't I just be spiritual? I mean, I'm a good person. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And I've got good moral values. I don't kill people. I don't rob banks. And, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. Why do I need a church? You know, these are questions many people are asking, especially the younger generation in our increasingly secular culture. And they'll say things like, you know, I, I don't want rules. I, I I just want a relationship. I don't want institutional religion. I just want Jesus, you know, and where is this all coming from and how do we respond? That's what I want to look at in today's episode. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I want to welcome any new listeners that are out there, especially it was such a blast the last few weeks, getting to meet many of you as I've been speaking in Texas and Pennsylvania. I was at the Texas A&M gathering there in College Station at St. Mary's, their Newman Center there. It was an incredible event. They had six, 700 college students coming out on a weeknight to hear me give a short talk about discipleship. And then they had Eucharistic adoration and praise and worship. I was so moved by 600 college students, just so faithful. Uh, Thank you for your witness there in Aggieland. I'll be praying for you all. And, And then I had a chance to speak at two different women's conferences, one in San Angelo, Texas, the other in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I love speaking at women's conferences. I know you're wondering, well, you're a guy, what are you doing speaking there? And for whatever reason, I get asked a lot to speak at women's conferences, but I'll tell you, I love them because I feel like Mary. I feel blessed among women. <laughs> but 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 more than that, uh, I, I always meet such faithful, joyful witnesses to our Catholic faith. These women who are pouring their lives out in in their families and in their parishes and their community. And so many of them are involved in small group studies. And it's just so encouraging to see these sisters coming together, rallying around God's word and the Catholic faith. And I I just want to thank you for your witness. Thank you for your faithfulness in our world today. And my prayers are with you as well. But let's go back to this question about why do I need a church? Where is this all coming from? I want to talk about that in a moment, but first I want to get our bearing straight. I want you to know what the word church means. You know, a lot of people have a perception of church as like that building that you go to, or, you know, in the Catholic world, you think of what's the church? Well, it's the Vatican or it's the Pope. I want you to know the word Jesus used, the word he used to describe the original group of followers, that original group of disciples, the word he used to describe all of us 2,000 years later who follow him, the word church in Greek, in the Greek New Testament, it's ekklesia, and it comes from two Greek words, ekkalein. Why am I giving you these Greek words? It's because I want you to know what church really means. Ekkalein, those two words literally mean to call out, to call out of. And they were used in the Old Testament to describe the Exodus story. The idea is that God called Israel out of Egypt. He called Israel out of slavery under Pharaoh. And that's the image, that's the language Jesus used to describe us as disciples, as followers, we are being called out of something. Well, what are we being called out of? You know, I'm, I'm not a slave in Egypt. What am I being called out of? I'm being called out of a different kind of slavery, a slavery to my own selfishness, a slavery to my pride, a slavery to my own narrow ways of looking at things. And most of all, my own slavery to sin. That's what Jesus does for me. He calls me out of slavery, he calls me out of darkness. He calls me out of my own sinfulness to bring me to new life 
and to experience a new and greater love. That's what Ecclesia is all about. And that's what the church is all about. But I got to be honest with you. I think many people today are scared of that kind of exodus. They are scared of being called out. They don't want to be called out. They want to continue doing whatever they want. You know, this whole idea of I want to be spiritual, but not religious. I don't need a church. You know, I think about this. I'm just going to share with you from my own personal life. I know myself. I know how much I need something outside of myself, some standard outside of me to challenge me, to to call me out of myself, you know, to remind me of what is really most important in life, to remind me of what real love is like and how to love my wife and to love my children and love my neighbor and love my God. I, I need that in my own life because I need ecclesia. I need to be called out of my own selfishness, my own self-centeredness. I need to be called out of my own kind of ways. I like to look at things and, and, and see a bigger vision of what life and love is really all about. But if I were to just have the opportunity to make up my own spirituality, if I was one of those people saying, I'm going to be spiritual and not religious, you know, I think I would end up just making my own kind of church. <laughs> you, you can call it the church of me. You know, yeah. In other words, if I, if I didn't have a church really outside of me, challenging me to grow in virtue, to grow in love, to grow in faithfulness, if I didn't have a church, I would then make my own spirituality and moral values based on my own preferences, my own interests, my own comfort zones. I mean, I would, I would make a religion that looked kind of like Edward three, you know, and just, okay, there we go. It's just like me, you know, cause that's what I would fall to. That's why I need to be challenged. I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to get better. And I don't want to be the one choosing the areas I, I want to get better at. That's easy. You know, you know, if, if you say, well, I, I want to get better at this, you know, that's one thing. It's another thing when the church, Jesus is standing before you and challenging you. Yeah. You may really like the idea of, you know, you like service and that's really good. That's a good thing. And you want to grow in service. That's a really good thing. But you know what? You also need to grow in purity and, and you need to make some changes in the area of chastity, or maybe, you know, you need to grow in, in humility and quit being so arrogant and thinking that your ways are right all the time, or you need to grow in in generosity, or you need to grow in patience. You know, I need a church that's presenting me the whole picture of, of what life in Christ really looks like and reminding of me of how to put that into practice in my daily lives. But if I was just able to choose, oh, well, for me, I like this, you know, I think I want to, I like hospitality. So I'm going to grow in hospitality. That's great. It's wonderful. God puts desires on our hearts, but I need a church to call me out on a whole set of things. And I don't want to be the one deciding what's right or wrong all the time for myself because I know myself, I'll revert to my own weaknesses, my own selfishness, and my own pride. You know, it it reminds me of, there's a quote I want to share with you that I once wrote a book a couple of years ago. Uh, It's a book that's a walk through the Catholic faith, but it's it's not your grandma's catechism, I like to say. It's a walk through your Catholic faith, but in light of the questions people have today, questions in our relativistic, individualistic, and uh, secular environment. You know, so this book covers everything about, you know, how can we know there's a God? Why is God a Trinity? Who is Jesus? Where does the Bible come from? You know, all the way through the sacraments and Mary and the saints and all that, right? So it covers everything you need to believe as a Catholic, but I'm constantly asking the questions people 
have today, like this one. I have a whole chapter called, Why Do I Need a Church? And the book is called Love Unveiled, The Catholic Faith Explained. You can find it on my website, edwards3.com. It's called Love Unveiled, The Catholic Faith Explains. If you're looking for a resource that answers the questions people have today about the Catholic faith, you may want to check this work out. But I'm going to share with you from pages 134 and 135. Uh, I'm going to share with you just a, a little quote from the book. And I write about how this whole idea of being spiritual but not religious, where is this coming from? Well, you know, this would be a very appealing option for somebody who, you know, doesn't want to reject Jesus outright, but but doesn't want Jesus too close. <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me years ago. Uh, so I, I, I've shared before, one of the bands I used to listen to growing up was U2. You know, I was a big fan of Bono and the band U2. And I remember reading when I was in high school or college, I remember reading in Rolling Stone magazine that uh, an article about them, they were asking about their Christian roots. And one of the musicians is not a Christian. And that's the guitar player who, who's called The Edge. That's his name, The Edge. And The Edge said something like this. It says, well, I don't, I don't have a problem with Jesus. I just have a problem with Christians. You know, I don't have a problem with Jesus, I, but I have a problem with the church. And that's a very modern thing to do, is to kind of separate Jesus from the church, Christ from the church, the king from his kingdom. And, and, and what you can do with that, and I'm not saying this is what The Edge is doing, I don't know his soul, but it, the point is, many people say those things today, I think many times it's because they don't want to look at a crucifix and have to say, I reject you. They don't want to directly reject Jesus. They deep down know there's something going on with Jesus that's not going on in other religions. They deep down know that. So they don't want to reje reject Christ outright directly. They don't want to reject God outright. They, they deep down know there's a God. So they'll say things like, well, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, or I'm against organized religion, or I don't need a church. And, and that, that's a very, that's a way that they can kind of, you know, not reject God, but kind of put God on the shelf, keep him at a distance. This, this God, this Jesus doesn't have to exclaim me. He doesn't have to call me out of anything and I can keep doing my own thing. So I can keep sleeping with my girlfriend. I can keep watching those shows on Netflix that I probably shouldn't be watching, or I could keep, you know, neglecting the poor, or I could keep, I don't have to worry about you know, my selfishness, you know, I, I don't have to worry about those things, you know, because I, I didn't reject Jesus. I just rejected the church, you know, and I can keep going on living my selfish life. <laughs> so listen, listen, so again, I'm not saying everyone does this, but I think this is at root, this individualistic mindset is at the root of this phenomena of spiritual, but not religious. So when people adopt this quote, I, I say, quote, it's easier to create my own religious and moral values values that are comfortable for me than it is to accept the revelation of Jesus Christ and the teachings of a church that calls me on to ongoing conversion. You know, uh, so I, if I can just say, hey, you know, I can create my own values, my own spirituality, that's easier because I'm the one in control. I'm the one dictating what's most important in life. I go on in, in, in the book here and I say, Rather than follow a moral standard outside myself, one that calls me on to greater responsibility, commitment to others, generosity, sacrificial love, I can determine for myself what's right and wrong. I can craft my own beliefs and values that conveniently justify my current way of living. In the world of being spiritual but not religious, I can make myself my own pope in my own religion, the church of me. 
<laughs> really, that's what we're doing, right? You know, if I say I want to, I don't want a church, I basically am making my own church. I make myself my own Pope and I get to decide what the moral values are. Uh, and that's a dangerous position I don't want to be in. I know some people today say, oh, well, God doesn't mind if I do this. You know, you ever hear that? People say, oh, I don't mind if, you know, or God, God doesn't mind if I sleep with my girlfriend or God doesn't mind if I look at pornography or God doesn't really mind if I just hoard all my money for myself and I don't share it with the poor, you know? So, you know, it's, 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 you know, God doesn't mind as if I can declare what God does and does not mind. You know, think about that. I didn't exist a hundred years ago and God brought me into existence. I'm just a tiny little creature in this universe, a creature made out of nothing by God. And yet all of a sudden my little tiny opinion, I can say, I think this, and therefore God, the God of the universe has to conform to my little tiny tiny personal opinion about him? <laughs> no way. God is ultimate reality. And I need to conform to him and what he's revealed. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And this Jesus Christ set up a church. He gave his authority to the apostles and to their successors to pass on this revelation, this truth about life. He did it in such a loving way. He loves us because he wants us to be happy. And yet I'm going to say, oh, I don't really want that. I'm just going to be spiritual on my own and be my own pope and make up my own values. That's what's happening here. Now, I want to put this in the context of Jesus's own life. Let's go back 2000 years ago. So Jesus gathers uh, disciples. He sets some of them up as apostles. He sends them out in his name. And the language in scripture that's used to describe these apostles being sent out is language describing like an emissary. When someone's an emissary, they represent the king. They represent the ruler. And whatever the emissary says, it's as if the king said it himself. That's the idea. That, that's how much authority Jesus gave the apostles and their successors. So much so that in Luke chapter 10, verse 60, Jesus himself says to the apostles, whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. So that when the apostles and their successors, the bishop and the, the bishops and the pope today, when, when they teach in his name, it's as if it, they're, they're faithfully passing on what, what Jesus entrusted to the original apostles. I mean, imagine if you were to go back to that first century and there was some Jew in Galilee who heard Jesus preaching. It was really inspired by Jesus and said, oh, Jesus, you know, I love you. I love your teachings, but I don't want to have anything to do with your apostles. You know, I can't stand Peter. Peter's too rambunctious. You know, I, I don't like Peter. I just want a relationship with you. Or, you know, Jesus, I love you. I want a relationship with you, but I don't want John. John's too beloved. You know, what, what, would, what would Jesus say if somebody came to him and said, you know, I just want to be spiritual. I don't want the apostles. I don't want a church. I just want to be spiritual with you, Jesus. What's Jesus going to say to them? He's going to say what he said in Luke 10, 16. Whoever rejects these apostles of mine rejects me. That's a crucial point. This is from Jesus. This isn't Edward Sree's personal opinion or the Catholic Church's personal opinion. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said that to the extent someone is rejecting the apostles, they're rejecting Christ. I mean, to knowingly reject the apostles, to really know what you're doing in your, I, I'm choosing to reject the apostles and their successors, the bishops today. To that extent, I'm putting a distance between me and Jesus. You know, so this whole idea of being spiritual and religious is just so unbiblical. It just doesn't, so unhistorical. It doesn't fit what Jesus actually set up 2000 years ago. Uh, one last note on a personal note here. I would say in the Bible, you know, the Bible talks about uh, 
God having a close relationship with us, but he talks about it in terms of covenant. Now, I know many Christians today talk about you should have a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm all for that. But I just want to clarify, the Bible offers something greater than a personal relationship. I can have a personal relationship with the guy next door, the the mailman, the person at the checkout line, right? I, I can kind of get to know them each week. But but what Jesus is offering is a covenant family relationship. He wants covenant. And when covenants are formed, it forms family bonds. You know, this was really impressed upon me personally when Beth and I, when we were moving from dating to engagement, you know, we we started talking about the M word, you know, many years ago. We started talking about marriage. And I was pretty confident that when I would get on my knees and propose that Beth would say yes. But wow, going to her father and asking her dad permission, I was so nervous. And he's the warmest, kindest man, but I was just so nervous about that. And we went to their house for dinner and I didn't eat anything because my stomach's hurting. And after dinner, we... We, we go into the living room and it's just he and I, and he turns on the TV to watch the World Series. I think the, the Yankees were playing that year. And he turns to me and says, who do you think's going to win? And I, I kind of cut him off in the middle of his sentence. Because <laughs> here's why. I, I know myself that when there's something I'm nervous about doing, I'll procrastinate. I'll put it off. And it'll be the ninth inning and I'll still not have asked him the question. So I, I, I purposely try to counter that by doing the most difficult thing first, the thing I'm scared about. I tried to do that one first. So that's what I did. I cut him off and I just said, uh, uh, could, could we talk? And he said, oh, sure. What do you want to talk about? I said, oh, do you, do you want to go for coffee? And he says, oh, you want to talk. <laughs> so we go get our jackets on. We're getting ready to leave the house. And his wife sees us and says, oh, hey, uh, where are you guys going? So he says, oh, we're, we're going to go for coffee. And she says, oh, I, I can make a pot of coffee here for you guys. And he says, oh, no, no, Ted wants to talk. And he says, oh, well, we'll I'll go in the other room. And he looks at her and he says, no, Ted wants to talk. <laughs> and she goes, oh, OK. And she walks out and we back out of the driveway. And at this point, you know, I, there's no point going back to the Yankees game. He knows what I'm going to ask him. So I said, so I bet you know what I'm going to ask. And obviously it all worked out great. But what was clear to me that night is that Beth and I had previously just had a personal relationship. It was me and her. We were dating, but we were now moving toward engagement and marriage. And that marriage is a covenant and covenants form family bonds. It's not just about me and Beth. It's about me and Beth and her brothers and sisters and cousins. And you know, it's all in the family. You know, that's why after we were engaged, the next day I, I pulled up in the driveway and her sisters come running out and they, her little sisters jump in my arms and they say, my brother, because the whole idea is that it's family. I, I'm really like a brother to them. In reality, I'm not just brother-in-law. I really am brother once the covenant is formed. And the same is true with Jesus. It's not just me and Jesus. And that's what many people want to say today. It's just me and God, me and Jesus. That's such a, an individualistic postmodern mindset. No, no, it, it's about me and Jesus and his heavenly father becomes my father. His mother, Mary, becomes my mother. And it's about all the brothers and sisters in the family. Uh, you and I, you know, you and I may have never met before, but you and I, by virtue of our baptism, have a profound spiritual bond. You are truly my brother. You are truly my sister. And this is a bond that's meant to last for eternity. That's real. And, and then even death doesn't part us, right? Because the brothers and sisters who've gone before us, who are they? They're the saints and they're up in heaven cheering for us, interceding for us. They're still connected in this body of Christ. And it's also those spiritual fathers and 
the, the, the priests and the bishops and our Holy Father, the Pope that's leading this family here on earth, it's all in the family. And so I can't just say, I mean, imagine if I said to Beth, hey, Beth, you know, I just, I just want to be married to you. I just want a relationship with you, but I don't have anything to do with your, your father. I don't have anything to do with your mother. I don't have anything to do with your brother or your sister or your cousins. I mean, that's not going to work. It's not just me and Beth. It's me and Beth and the whole family and, and vice versa, right? And the same is true in our relationship with God. So I hope this has been helpful for you. If you want more on this theme of why I need a church, check out my book, Love Unveiled, The Catholic Faith Explained. I have a whole chapter on this topic, a lot more biblical background than what we can do in this short podcast. Also, check out the show notes. Ascension Press, the great partner in this podcast, puts together show notes for us each week. You can go to ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. So ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. You can get those for free and subscribe to those each week. And you can always reach out to me with your questions. If you have any questions on this topic or anything Catholic, bring it to my attention. You can reach me on my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. You can learn about my pilgrimages and talks and all that there. You can also reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. God bless. <laughs>